till early September, and they discovered the handwriting was a match to the extortion letter sent to Johnson & Johnson. Police attempted to apprehend Robert, but he and his wife Nancy had since left their run-down apartment in Chicago's north side for an unknown destination. A nationwide search commenced, and the police soon discovered that the names Robert and Nancy Richardson were aliases for James and Leanne Lewis. After being abandoned by his parents at age three, James Lewis was adopted by a childless couple. He grew up to become a troublesome child who was known to fly into rages. In one instance, he chased his mother with an axe, and in another, he faced an assault charge after breaking several of his father's ribs. At one point, Lewis was hospitalised and diagnosed with catatonic schizophrenia after overdosing on over-the-counter painkillers, but he later claimed his suicide attempt and violent behaviour was simply a plan concocted by his family to avoid him being drafted to fight in the Vietnam War. Despite the dysfunction in his home life, Lewis enjoyed school and received good grades, later attending the University of Missouri where he met his future wife, Leanne. The pair were staunchly devoted to one another and cultivated a comfortable life, both working as bookkeepers at a tax service until Lewis exploded at the business owner over a trivial matter prompting the couple to leave. The pair then started their own taxation business in Kansas City, where 72-year-old Raymond West became their client. Raymond was a retired truck driver who lived a quiet life alone, tending to his garden and taking daily walks. On Monday, July 24, 1978, A missing persons report was filed on his behalf as a friend noticed Raymond's car was in the garage of his home, but knocks to his front door were going unanswered. A note was found stuck in the door, written on James Lewis's business letterhead. It read, Ray is out of town until Thursday. For further, call Jim. Police forced their way into the home and found another note on the coffee table which read, Please don't disturb until after 1pm. Sleeping late. Raymond. Despite being signed off with the elderly man's name, it was not scrawled in his handwriting. Three weeks later, on Saturday August 14, police conducted a second search of Raymond's house. A foul odour lingered inside and they uncovered bloody bedsheets in the bedroom. In the basement was a blood-stained lawn chair along with a garbage bag containing Raymond's toupee and eyeglasses. In an upstairs room, officers noticed a foot-long stain running from the ceiling down the wall and made their way into the attic to determine its source. There, they found Raymond's decomposed and dismembered body partially wrapped in sheets and garbage bags. His legs had been severed at the hip joint and placed alongside his head. Due to the state of his remains, a cause of death could not be established. 
Investigators discovered $5,000 had been withdrawn from Raymond's bank account and paid to James Lewis, who was promptly arrested. He maintained the payment was a business expansion loan, which seemed unusual given Raymond was known to be tight with money. Lewis was released from police custody and permitted officers to search his home and vehicle, where they found 20 feet of knotted white rope, a garbage bag, and a black case containing papers and checks bearing Raymond's name. He was arrested again and charged with Raymond West's murder, a crime which he vehemently denied committing. In October 1979, Days before his trial was set to begin, Lewis's defence counsel argued that the police had no probable cause to arrest their client in the first instance, and that he wasn't read his Miranda rights at the time. They also claimed that the original indictment was defective and was not worded correctly, as it omitted the term felonious. As Raymond's cause of death was unknown, His attorney had lined up a series of witnesses to testify the elderly man had high blood pressure and a potent medication regime, both of which may have been responsible. However, it didn't explain how Raymond's legs came to be severed from his body, and in a bizarre assertion, Lewis's attorney told the Chicago Reader newspaper, It's one thing to kill somebody, It's another thing to dismember them after they're dead. And whilst dismembering somebody after they're dead is repulsive and repugnant, it's not homicide. With nothing but circumstantial evidence to link Lewis to the crime, the case was dismissed and he left court a free man. Prosecutor James Bell told reporters that it was, quote, one of the most mysterious, confusing, befuddling, complex, and probably one of the most difficult cases I ever handled. In December 1981, Lewis and his wife Leanne fled the state after police became aware of his involvement in a fraudulent credit card scheme. A warrant was issued for his arrest, but the couple successfully evaded capture heading northeast to Chicago, where they adopted the aliases Robert and Nancy Richardson, making it one of 17 aliases Lewis adopted over the years. Leanne secured a job working as an accounting clerk at Lakeside Travel Agency before its closure three months later. Lewis bounced between temp jobs, leaving the National Bank of Chicago in early September which prompted the now unemployed couple to relocate again. News of Lewis's fugitive status and connection to the Tylenol case began making headlines and he started penning letters to the Chicago Tribune newspaper to declare his innocence. Postmarks on the letters revealed he was now living in New York, leading 200 FBI agents to descend on the city in an effort to find him. As it was evident that Lewis was regularly reading the Chicago Tribune, every newsstand that stocked the paper was put under 24-hour surveillance, but he never showed up to make a purchase. Agents concluded he must have